Invisible Soldiers podcast. Welcome to the Invisible Soldiers podcast. I'm Corey. I'm Rebecca. And we're the host of one of the fastest growing podcasts in advertising. When we started this podcast, we always talked about spotlighting invisible soldiers in the industry, but we also wanted to sit down and have a discussion, roundtable talk about things that were happening, hot topics. And, you know, it's summertime in advertising, so there's a lot going on. So today we're just going to kick back. Me and Rebecca are going to hit a couple of different topics and chop it up a little bit. Rebecca, how you been? Oh, man, it's been great. The weather has been amazing the last few days in Chicago. Lucky you. Right, right. I saw that Texas is burning up down here. Yeah. On fire. And then this morning it snowed in South Africa. So welcome. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. It's been a busy summer. I've been out of town on productions, staying busy, just a lot of projects going on. So it's a good, it's a good thing. But there's a lot going on in the industry as well, including can. Yes. It's been fun to see all the pictures and the feed on LinkedIn and seeing some nice brown faces as well in some of the photos. Yes, we will definitely have to talk about this. So we are referring to the International Festival of Creativity that happens in Cannes, France. I was actually just in France a little bit before that. So I got to kind of shoot through there and it was my first time seeing that. And it's really nice down there which is why it's a a huge international draw. The festival has, there's the uh, Festival of Creativity that includes advertising. And then there's also a film festival that happens right around the same time. And so between the two of them, you end up with just just an enormous amount of creative people in that small part of the world with projects that are just, you know, mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. Yeah, the best of the best, right? At least that's what they say. Yeah, no, it's facts, facts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, when you think about can, like a can lion, that's probably like the highest standard, you know, if you want to talk about it. I mean, we have we have one show, but like can is international. Is one show international? I'm not sure. When do you remember the first time hearing about a can lion in your career? One show is international, by the way, and I should know this because I was a judge. Yeah, so that's international as well. I was young. Our CCO would talk about winning a, a lion, right? And we'd always talk about, you know, we need to raise the mark and shoot higher and go bigger and bigger ideas, bigger music, bigger everything. You know, I think at the time that was the way those were the memorable ads. I think now it's changed a little bit. I think now the why is as important as what you're doing case studies have taken over. So Mm. the case study, a lot of times when I'm judging for different award shows, I forget what the actual creative output is, but the case study has become almost the new enticing piece. It's the way you judge the work now. I've definitely judged work where I looked at the case study and I'm going back trying to find the actual piece and I'm like, where is it? It's buried, you know? Yeah. But the case study, you know, has become the more important piece. So you just talked a little bit about being a judge on the one show mm-hmm. for our listeners, young and mid-career or even senior career. What does that look like in terms of being chosen to be a judge? And then the process in terms of how you're reviewing it, how you're looking at it. Can you pull the curtain back a little bit? Yeah, every award show is different. Some awards, like one show, I don't think you can be a judge two years in a row. Right. 
and somebody has to nominate you. So it's that process. It's a nomination process. You can't do it two years in a row. You enter. There's like a usually like a moment where all the judges are intro moment where we all hit, get on a Zoom link and you see these judges, creative people from all over the world. And you go, wow, there's a usually like a place where you can kind of see a, a short bio on them. You're like, wow, I am in the steam company. Then you get broken up and assigned to different disciplines, short form, film, print, radio, whatever those, you know, whatever area you end up in. And that'll be the work that you judge. And then you could kind of go into your silo a little bit. You'll get a, a link and it'll have so many submissions. You have a deadline and then you go through and you start judging. There are multiple rounds. And when you start getting towards the round where, you know, you're about to start awarding gold, silver, bronze, what have you. Now it's time to start having maybe some discussions. So we might jump on a couple of Zooms and hash out, have some discussions about the work. What do we think about this? In multiple award shows, sometimes you can flag a piece to bring up something specific about it that you might want to make the judges aware of, or if you have questions. It's a little bit of an individual process because you're in a silo, but then there is this bigger group think tank that you have the ability to come back to. It's a pretty cool thing. Like I think every creative needs to get involved in judging. I think sometimes when people enter work, they don't know who's judging and they don't know what the process is. And I think after you go through a few times, you start to understand a little bit better that, yeah, it's the work, but it's also the presentation. It's also the case study. It's also all these different pieces. It's a package, really. You know what I mean? That you're presenting to the judges. You start to learn the process a little bit. Oh, so when it's time for me to enter my work, I need to make sure I'm checking all these boxes. You know what I mean? Because this is, you know, this is how the judges are going to be reviewing this. It's not just, you know, you send in the work and it just stands on its own. It's a little bit deeper than that. Yeah, absolutely. And when those boxes go up in the Zoom call, how diverse is the pool of judges? Every award show is different. There are regional award shows. I actually judge the D Awards this year, the D Show. Up in Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody nominated me for that. I said I had time. I did it. That's a Detroit city region award show for advertising. I've done some awards that were specific to a single industry, specific industry awards. I've done other international ones. So it just depends. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's different every time. But can <laughs> is the big boy. Yeah. And there are agencies that are constructed. Part of their belief system is to win awards, right? You look, there's a lot to be gained from winning awards, especially when it comes to new business, right? If I'm a client and I'm thinking about going with this agency versus that agency, awards kind of come into play. You know, the prestige, knowing that the industry views you highly, all of that is very important. To some people, the most important. Other people, it's fees, it's different things, but the award aspect of it is a huge part of the process. Yeah. Do you think that like winning a CanLine award happens for some agencies, as you said, because that's what they're driven by? Like, what about like the small shop that just opened and in maybe even like opened up by like five 
Can Lion Award winners? What's their chances or should they be chasing things like that? How do how do you even get in inside of consideration? Well, first of all, if you have a great piece of work, then anything is possible. Who it resonates with, how deeply it resonates, like that could happen. What people should understand though is award shows are there's an economy of award shows, meaning these things aren't free. Entering one piece and and you know, you can enter like a single piece into multiple categories, right? But each category comes with a price. So you have a piece of creative you really believe in, but do you believe in it enough to invest at the highest level? And then do you believe in all the work coming from your agency to invest at the highest level for all the pieces that you plan to include or enter? Like I said, that's where you start to maybe outside of a one a one-off piece, you start to eliminate small shops because paying that much money out when there's not necessarily a return coming back. Now, when you hit and you win, now that seems like a very small piece of money because maybe you are you won can gold or silver lion. And now that is going to help you bring money into the agency in the form of new business. It's also a great recruiting tool for creatives. Creatives want to work at agencies that are perceived as very creative and prestigious. So there are upsides to awards for sure, but there's an investment that you have to make. And and there's a lot that goes into that decision making. As a creative, are you chasing awards or are you just trying to do great work? (laughs) I think, you know, are, are you a sports fan? Yes. So you have people in the league, in any league, NBA, NFL, you have professional athletes who just love being a professional athlete. They love the process of going to work every day, training to be the best they can possibly be, right? And you have other people who aren't satisfied unless they win the championship or win an MVP or win the, you know, and so there are some similarities there, right? And usually those people work for certain agencies and have played on, it's just like, you know, there's a difference between playing basketball for uh, the Utah Jazz versus the Los Angeles Lakers, right? It's just a different, it's a different thing. The expectations are different. Same thing in advertising, right? Now, everybody will tell you, oh, we're trying to win this award and that award. Maybe that's true to a certain degree, but there are agencies literally, like I said, not only with the work that they're creating, but the investment to be awarded. They are in it at the highest level and other places might come up with a really, really amazing piece of work. But for them, the idea of investing to enter and to pay the fees to enter all these different award shows just isn't in their best interest at the time. Yeah, it's more than a notion to think about, like, just from a business perspective, like when you talk about the rate of return you know, and in a small shop, you know, how would you have the discretionary or a budget for how you're going to enter? And then when you arrive, you know, it looks quite opulent there. (laughs) Absolutely. And then, and then think about this, there's pressure. Think every creative thinks that what they created is the greatest thing ever. So how many times 
are you going to tell them that, oh, this thing wasn't entered into whatever award show? How long do you think they're going to stick around? Oh, how does that work in an agency? Oh, like? well, that, that's where it gets that's where it gets difficult, and that's what I'm saying. Like these aren't easy conversations, but like trying to decide like internally, do we have something that we all feel good about? Mm. You know, and then what are the business ramifications? What is the investment? What is the potential return? It's a lot of deep questions to ask. They're deep for some agencies, and they they aren't a second thought for other agencies. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So now it's the playing field. It's pretty wild. I can't remember the agency that used to be the AOR for McDonald's in Chicago forever. And then they created their own McDonald's agency, but it had, I kid you not, probably 50 can lions on one wall. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Okay. So there was a price tag. That means they entered. There are 50 different times that they entered and who knows how many categories, right? And obviously, they've been doing that year after year after year after year. Yeah, like 100 years. (laughs) Right, 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 right. Versus some small shop that maybe hit a home run with a particular ad campaign, right? For one year, this amazing campaign. Are they healthy enough to really support this work the way it would be supported at a major agency throughout the entire award season? I'm talking multiple awards, multiple categories, like really getting behind it. That's really wild. Like, I mean, you think about like, seriously, like I have like some people that I know that have started like some small little cool shops and they've got some cool projects, but like, think about if they do hit it out of the park and like, how do you come up with the, to even get there? Like, again, it just continues to think about the equity of it. It's bigger than just a creative award. Yes. Right. Right. So I think people a lot of times don't think about that part of it. Talk to me about, more about that. Just, no, just the money that it goes into, just the, all the different things that you're weighing. You want to look really good for your clients. You want their work, the work that you do for them to win awards. You want to attract new business by being awarded. You want to attract new creatives by being awarded. But like I said, there's money involved. There's disappointing creatives. If you can't enter and potentially losing them, there's just a lot of stuff. Awards are something that we always talk about the back end of it, but we never talk about all that goes into the front end. It's true. It's true. What do you think about, you know, historically can has not been a diverse experience, let alone the representation of of different types of work that's been awarded or even submitted. They've said that, you know, they're committed to some things. They've got Black at Cannes, and this year they awarded Spike Lee. They gave him an award. What are your thoughts on kind of how they're showing up, you know, after all of the things that they, the commitments? That's Well, I don't know if they are showing up, but we are showing up, which is beautiful because I don't think it, there was a time when it wasn't a very inclusive space. And I think a lot of people kick down doors to help make that happen. I think if you follow social media, there are more, uh, even last three, four, five years, just seeing a lot more Black faces at camp, a lot more people being awarded, a lot more work with Black content being awarded. All of these things, there's definitely some improvement happening. I celebrated a lot. That's amazing. 
when you're working and you're in the middle of a campaign, are you ever like, oh, we should submit this? Not in the middle. No, no, not in the middle. I think once you finish something, it comes out, it hits, and then you start to receive positive feedback. Maybe then is when you start to, I think that's the moment. But, you know, before then, I think you get lost in the sauce if you are aiming at awards when you're initially thinking. I think you're just trying to aim at good, clever, smart work that is on strategy, right? That is going to more than please your client. That's the aim initially. All that other stuff comes later. Yeah. How important is it to be at CAN? Like, is that a goal? Like, should we be making that an item on our bucket list or checklist as marketers? It's different for everybody. I think being a part of whatever the conversation is that's going on anywhere, I think today that is what we are trying to do. Like access, we fought so long for access, right? Mm. And to now have access and then to like, no, nah, I'm too cool for that. Like that is that ain't the move. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't I don't think that's the move. You know, I think we fall for access for a reason. And I think every place where we have that access is meant for us to show up and show out. We need to be present and we need to show our best every time that we are. Like I said, from the photos I've been seeing from a lot of the articles I've been reading, we're doing that. But, you know, we need to make it even more a part of just the culture of going to Cannes is just expectation. Mm. It's not this thing that's being dangled out, this carrot that's being dangled out there. No, it's just part of what we do. Oh, my gosh. I love that narrative because I it does feel a little bit like Charlie in the Chocolate Factory hoping for a gold ticket. Like that's at least in my younger years, I felt it was a little bit like that. Yeah, because, you know, that's how it's presented. It felt way far away. And it, it felt like, I think the idea for creatives, they sold us this in, you know, a little bit in ad school. That idea was to win awards and these awards were going to change your life. Maybe for some people, they had that moment. But I think for most people, they get an award and it's like they have a moment and then they got to get back to work. And if they don't really get back to work or if they hang their hat on that award, they find themselves out the industry with that award. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like what we do as creatives in, in this business is uh, we don't get to rest on our laurels, right? We don't get to like hit a home run and then go over 30. Nobody's giving you that much of a leeway. You have to consistently get hits. Yeah. The home runs will take care of themselves, but you, you, you need to be getting hits <laughs> at the very least. Yeah. And it, I wonder if the pressure too, like you win one and then is the expectation year over year over year, you know, that you're kind of in that space. I mean, I would think that would be the goal, but. And that's why I go back to this idea of being a professional ad man, right? Like somebody who has endured, somebody who puts their pants on every day and goes to work, puts in the time, puts in the hours, they give up weekends, they stay late, but they are in there doing it. Those are the people, regardless of whether the war comes or whether it doesn't, those are the people that I respect, you know, because it's not easy, you know, what we do is not easy. No, not at all. Even at, you know, my team, we are, we're, I'm at an agency and we're not quite there yet, you know, in terms of winning can lions, but there's always next year and the year after that. But I tip my hat to them all the time because it is the late nights. It's the constant, you know, having to go back 
to the client and we're over hours, the creatives are exhausted and somehow everybody still gets up and comes to work every single day. It's, it's kind of amazing, you know, and it's something like I, you know, I'm constantly telling everyone that the job is different every single day. And I think that's why people love what they do, regardless of what their discipline, you know, you get to stretch the collaboration and then ultimately the end result, which is the work, you know, when we see it, whether we win a can lion or not, we continue to make, you know, work. Another huge event that just happened this past July was um, Essence Fest. And, you know, that just continues to grow beyond anyone's expectations, not only the work, but, you know, the consumer more and more and more, you know, we are reaching our own. But, you know, even watching how Essence Fest is talked about, even in the general market, you know, they are aware of all the things that we're doing for our own selves. So I love what you said about it should just be the expectation that we're there. Yeah, yeah. I've been to Essence many times. Essence I've never Music been. <laughs> for those who haven't been, we're talking about the Essence Music Festival that happens in New Orleans, usually for the July weekend every year. It's a huge black music festival. One of the biggest. You're talking about multiple nights of 80 plus thousand people in the Superdome. And during the day, there are festival activities that also happen. And a lot of brands are involved, and it's just a really good time, cool time to be in New Orleans, to walk the city, and it's a good vibe. So that festival has been growing for the past 20-plus years. Like I said, I, I've had a, the opportunity to go a few times and actually to take clients down, to see them have that eye-opening moment when they go, oh, wow, like I didn't know this was this big. Yeah. And I see my, like our team, we work on McDonald's and we do huge activations, you know, experiential events. And that work is backbreaking. I mean, they work 12 months. It takes 12 months to work on that one or two days. You've got people that are putting 60, 80 hours in a week to have that come to fruition for their clients. It's again, another awe moment, especially, you know, being in a multicultural space when the target is a mostly black women, you know, I, again, I, I take such pride in that. And so many people that we've talked to been on this show, hopefully who are listening have been there and, you know, they do the best work, you know, again, hopefully those, those experiences will be entered and can and materialize there too, as, as we continue to grow. Yeah. All those installation ideas start off on a blank sheet of paper. And then you have to sell somebody the dream and eventually they approve it. They give you budget for it. And then you got to go out and get it made. Back when I started, I mean, this, the kind of stuff we were making then versus like the stuff that's being made now, it's just night and day difference. All these LED screens and these cool installations, really, really, really fun stuff. It is. And then, you know, what I look forward to seeing as we grow in our technology is how AI will maybe play a role in that, whether, you know, or all the technologies <laughs> that play in our experiences. So, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about AI. I posted a picture. It was a picture of MLK. It was an AI rendering of MLK, but like he looked more like uh, Rick Ross. He had tattoos on. Yeah. And, and like a gold chain. Yeah. Yeah, like a part in his head. Like it was, it was wild. But you look at it and, and, you know, AI scares a lot of people. They are thinking, wow, is this technology going to replace humans? Yeah. You know, even our industry. So 
The one thing I always try to remind people of, well, two things, because I've seen it happen over and over and over. Around the late 60s in Japan, they started making two pieces of technology that would go on to revolutionize music, and it was the drum machine and the synthesizer. So these early forms of these machines were being made then, and a lot of drummers were really pissed because they thought they were trying to take their jobs and put them out of business, right? And so you had a lot of old school cats who were like musicians who would just like, get that thing out of my studio. Like we do it the real way. We do it the old school way. This is the only way to ever create a drum sound is by a drummer with two sticks, right? And the drum set. Well, those people pushed away that technology. Same thing with keyboard players. Why would I want to synthesize it? I only want to, I only want to work on a piano, right? My point is, it's a piece of technology. The good or the bad that happens with it is going to be on us. Miles Davis leaned into these synthesizers and these electric sounds and reshaped jazz, created fusion, right? And hip-hop took drum machines and changed music, you know? So all this electronic stuff and changed music. So it's just a piece of technology. Instead of running from technology, what we need to be doing is figuring out the best practices and the best things that we can do with them. And a lot of times, the, the first thing, the first uses of them this rendering of thugged out MLK, probably not the best <laughs> <laughs> representation of what you can do with the technology. Right. But if we tinker with it long enough, right, and we play around with it, I think we'll find some things that are truly brilliant that we can do with the technology. So let's not freak out. Let's not say the sky's falling. This is not doomsday. It's just another piece of technology. And we are going to continue my whole life i've seen new technology introduced i remember when the first remember the first uh microwaves oh my gosh they were like you could put a turkey in it <laughs> yeah but but there were also people saying that thing is going to cause cancer, cancer and i'm not eating anything that comes up remember that remember oh, all yeah. of this like oh, yeah. this was a real conversation eventually we figured out that hey you probably don't want to be cooking full course meals in the microwave but for heating stuff up it's amazing yeah right we figured that out, right? We figured out how to use the technology best, right? We figured it out. And this is going to be the same thing with AI. Yeah, how we use the tool. And then the other thing I think to add on that is the people that are in charge of how we use the tool, that room needs to be diverse. Because to your point, like everything, like AI isn't happening to us, right? We keep unfolding it or looking into it. And so if the room in which rules, regulations, how we use it, why we use it does not reflect everyone, then that is where we have the challenges. So like how it plays out sometimes negatively is like software that they use to identify what a criminal is, right? Or jobs in terms of how it decides to scrape or pull resumes based on names. Those are the things that I think, you know, we've got some of the top scientists who are ringing the alarm about that. Like there were a couple of really brilliant women, black women who quit Google or were fired <laughs> because of some of the things that, you know, they raised the flags and, and unfortunately, you know, retaliation happens. But, you know, I think we have to continue to push 
that and to know to your point like we have to know how to use it like we can't just put our heads in the sand and you know to our benefit i would also say too for real creativity right like real creativity not just a you know a copy of a copy of a copy like the music you can make whatever you want utilizing technology but like what is made from it because of the organic human that's that's what creativity is. Like, I don't think that a machine could ever truly replace something that's new and original, but I think you could utilize the tool maybe to enhance what you're doing. So, you know, I'm leaning into it. it it'll be interesting how people use it. I think the other hard part, like in my world from a virtual digital AI perspective is like people's actual identity. So like no one ever talks about this, but we get catfished as well, like from a recruiting perspective. Like people can make a portfolio now. They can make resumes. Then you can just literally learn how to interview on YouTube. I mean, you can create a whole different persona. I mean, obviously we've got checks and balances in terms of background checks, but like that's, you know, part of the discernment of things now is like trying to make sure that people are who they say they are and the work that they present, you know, as a creative you know, is theirs or, you know, it reflects what they really can do. But you know, again, to your point, I, I don't think it's doomsday by any measure. I think it's a pretty cool new thing to tinker with and see where it goes. It's never the technology. It's always what we do with it. That's where I'm at with it. It's so. true. It's true. Although there are some robots out here, Corey, that's kind of well, like, Well, hey, oh. these robot, these robot <laughs> dogs are scary looking, right? You seen them? I did. And you know, hey, the robot dogs are no joke. And they, um, you know, they rolled those out in New York City. Like they bring them out. You know, I'm, oh man, yeah, New York. Well, yeah. you know, you, we got we got robots delivering food on the streets. You seen those? No. Oh yeah, they they've been out. Maybe they're not in every city, but I know in LA, robots deliver food all the time, and and have been for a couple of years now. What do you mean, like a robot? Like knocks a on robot your is <laughs> a robot is going down the street, by, minding its own business. It pulls up to a house. You get a text. You go out. You open up the little thing, your food is inside, and then it goes back to the no. store where it came from. Yes. I forgot what they call those. You haven't seen that? No. What? Yes. Oh, my Word. gosh. Man, mm -hmm. I wonder what brand. Is that like pizza, probably? Oh, God. I, yeah, I don't know. It's a service. So it's it's not a, it's not um like that sounds like a specific yeah. restaurant. It sounds it's like, like yeah, it's a delivery. Yeah, it's. No, but it's a delivery service. Yeah. Wow. That's mm -hmm. wild. Yeah, no, I mean, electric cars, I mean, all of that, I guess it makes sense. I mean, we're definitely in the era of the Jetsons. Yeah, the self-driving car. Yeah. I, I've seen, I've see, I've see, I saw a lady going past me on the highway, and she's looking down at her phone too long. And I realized, oh, no, the car is driving. What? <laughs> I mean, know? I've seen it, like, yeah. on TV or in no, like, it, Black no. Mirror. <laughs> I've not seen it in person. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. I can't imagine that here in Chicago. I don't know how that would. Wow. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. 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 But, you know, robot copywriters, I think we, we got a while <laughs> to <laughs> worry about that. You know what I'm saying? But uh, anyway, this is a great talk. I'm glad we got a chance to chop it up about a couple of topics happening in advertising right now. Like I said, it, it seems like every time I open up my computer, there's a new headline, something crazy is happening. So I think you either uh, stay up on everything or you get lost real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Well, thank you all for joining us on another episode of the Invisible Soldiers podcast. Be sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. Peace. Peace.